Welcome to Emotion Well, EFR's podcast about all things related to emotional wellness. I'm Johanna Dunlevy, the wellness manager for Employee and Family Resources, also known as EFR, and I'm the host of our podcast. As an FYI, EFR is located in Des Moines, Iowa, and we are Iowa's first employee assistance program and provide a variety of services you can learn more about at www.efr.org. Welcome back to Emotion Well, Scott Nelson of Legacy Financial Group. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, uh, for our listeners, if you have been following along with all of our podcast episodes, you might remember Scott. He was on earlier in 2021, and or was it late 2020? I don't even remember. Times... No, it was February. It was February yeah. 2021. So um, just earlier this year, we had you come on and talk about uh, you know financial readiness and financial well-being and how we can kind of make the most with with what we've got and it was an extremely popular episode and don't be offended when I say this but I was surprised by how many people were interested in that topic uh, but then the more I thought about it I realized well money affects us all and it's something that most people are always looking to have more of and right. you know be more proficient with saving and and whatnot, and I thought, okay, actually, it makes sense that it was a popular episode. So it's number two right now. I'm not sure if you can take over the number one spot, but okay. maybe with that episode and this episode combined. Right. This will be a reminder to go back and listen to the first one. That's here. right. That's right. So welcome back again. I'm happy to have you here. And for people who don't know much about you or Legacy Financial Group, why don't you just kind of reintroduce yourself? Okay. Um, yeah, Scott Nelson. I'm a, a um, uh, financial advisor with Legacy Financial Group. A, um, uh, we're a registered investment advisory firm here in Des Moines. Um, we not only uh, serve clients here locally uh, for over 30 years, but we also do a lot of financial education in the workplace as well. We partner with a lot of local employers to do financial education in the workplace. So. Excellent. Well, today I would like to talk about retirement readiness. And I'm 39 years old, so if I were to say, hey, is it too early for me to be thinking about retirement, your answer would be? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So for me, retirement seems really, really far away. But, you know, I have been working now for 17 years, and I've been fortunate to always have an employer that contributes towards my retirement. I would say that I'm not super knowledgeable when it comes to investing and what my portfolio should look like. And so I would imagine a lot of people listening could say, oh yeah, I have retirement savings as well or retirement investments as well, but I don't know a thing about about them. So I think this is a really important topic for people, you know, whether you're just entering the workforce or you're on the cusp of retirement, it's never too soon or too late, correct? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Naturally, um, the sooner you get started, the better. But, you know, in all honesty, too, I mean, people, uh, when we first start off in our careers, we don't think about uh, retirement planning or, um, you know, doing much financial planning uh, or investing because we don't have any money when we first right, start off, right. right? It's a lot of times we get to a point where we uh, people realize, hey, I've got some stuff saved up now. I should probably put this, uh, this is a big enough amount now that's, that I'm seeing on my statement that I should probably pay uh, closer attention to this. Or they are going through things in their financial life that is causing them a lot of distress and they're looking for answers. Uh, so yeah, the 
bit earlier, the better. Um, but yeah, it's never too late to. I mean, we have people that come to us um, that uh, you know later in life that uh, are on the cusp of retirement and they're just getting started with planning. And there's still things we can do, but we've got to make a lot more drastic changes the closer we are to retirement. The further your target is away, the the least drastic the changes we need to make. A lot of times you can make a small change and it has a huge impact over time. So, but also I have not yet um, talked to anybody that has said, "Gosh, I'm so glad I waited to plan." Right? I mean, it's right. most people are saying, "I wish I'd have done this sooner." Yeah. So what are some common misconceptions people make about retirement planning or what are things that you encounter regularly in your role with legacy? Yeah, so there's a lot of misconceptions uh, and myths out there. And I think that's one of the things that probably creates some stress around finances because when there's something we don't know or something we don't understand, it can be stressful, right? That's a stress is a normal response to the unknown. And right. so there's a lot of, of uh, stress that comes around finances because people you know, are just, a lot of people are figuring out money as they go throughout life, right? And so some of the misconceptions specifically around retirement though, is that, you know, how much do, you know, people think they need to retire? There's lots of alarming statistics that are out there too, that people are, don't have enough saved and they're really misjudging what retirement looks like. Most people think that they're gonna retire early, okay? but also, a lot of people haven't done the planning to put them in that position. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, retirement seems so far away. And at the same time, I would like to retire a couple of years early. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not making any changes now to allow that to happen or to give me a comfortable retirement, then I probably, you know, and I'm still a good 20 plus years away from retiring. I might not get to retire early if I don't start making those changes now. Right. Yeah, exactly. And retirement's different, um, you know, for parents or, or people that are our parents' age or our grandparents' age. Retirement was a hard stop, right? It was, okay, I'm retired at 65, I'm done. Yeah. And, and go to the golf course or go travel or whatever that case may be. Whereas, and people that are retired today, they still, I see a, um, a lot of those common themes where, okay, I'm just... I'm done uh, working, uh, but I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm just retired, right? right? Whereas, you know, people that are our age, right, or even people that are younger than us, I mean, retirement's a word that they know what it means. That It doesn't really register because it's still so far away. Uh -huh. But what I'm finding, too, is a lot of folks, it's not so much that they – they see retirement, maybe what their grandparents are doing today is boring, right? Um, they want something more engaging. They want more options. And so, you know, really getting to a point where, you know, we have more financial, people are looking for more freedom, right? And more mm -hmm. financial security and more financial independence and looking to have the option to retire, but, um, you know, and working more so because they like to work, not because they have to. Getting right. to a point in the future where they have, the freedom to make job changes to and maybe relearn some different skills or make a different job change or you know re again retire to something that's more engaging so yeah. I, i'm seeing a lot of people you know having conversation with people you know my age and your age and, and even younger that are looking f again they just want to have options later on yeah. and that's really what i think people that are you know that aren't on the cusp of retirement that's really what people seem to be wanting yeah is the option for f more freedom you know, as, as you were speaking, I was thinking a lot about some of my peers and, and people that are younger than me. I know a lot of entrepreneurs. They're self-employed and they're successful, 
but what recommendation would you have for someone who is not getting an employer to kick in a contribution to retirement? They're self-employed, they're entrepreneurs. What could they be doing? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And there's, um, I mean, I guess first the 401k, it is a great tool. I mean, it's one that, um, you know, having employers match a portion of what we're saving is outstanding. So people need to be taking advantage of that. Um, uh, But people that don't have that as an option, from an income perspective or a tax planning perspective, um, you know, we have two options. You can go to the pre-tax side of the world, which gives you a deduction on your taxes, or you can go to the after-tax side of the world, uh, which is the Roth side of the world, which is after-tax, but then it grows tax-free. So you mm-hmm. have a couple options there, uh, but really starting early. And part of it is if we're starting and we're entrepreneurial and we're starting to be successful, but we know we've got a lot more income uh, potential later on, then trying to push money to the Roth or the tax-free side of the mm-hmm. world right now while our income's lower, because later on when our income's higher, we're going to need the tax deductions from a tax-deferred account. And there's a lot of, um, you know, even a, a self-employed person can open up an individual uh, 401k okay. uh, or a SEP IRA um, uh, or simple IRA. So there's there's specific IRAs that are uh, specific to entrepreneurs and um, uh, independent business owners as well that allow you to push more money into that tax-free side of the world. So Good to know. Good to know. This is why people in your positions exist because mo- you know most people are not going to have this knowledge right. if it's not their area of expertise or area of interest. So I think it's great. Just that tidbit of information could have helped someone listening open up a whole new world for them in terms of saving and investing. So that's great. So when we're talking about retirement and I'm starting to think about my own, which is years and years away thinking about, you know, my mom, when my mom and my stepdad retired, they ended up snowbirding in Arizona and they had this second home, which has turned into their primary home and they're living there full time. But what are some of the things that you ask your clients that are related to lifestyle? So if you really want to get a good understanding of what someone might need in retirement in terms of cash flow to sustain a lifestyle that they desire or that's comfortable to them. What are some of the things you're asking people to think about? Right, exactly. Um, And some of that is around trying to help people identify their goals, right? And their financial goals of what retirement might look like. And some people have some specific goals of what retirement looks like it, but retirement has such a different price tag depending on what it looks like for somebody. Some people like on a date like today, they may say, Hey, retirement, ideal retirement for me is you know, um, sitting on the porch, uh, having a cup of coffee and, you know, reading some books that they got at the library. Right. And then maybe going and walking around uh, a state park or something Mm -hmm. like that. Some people are completely content with that. And uh, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that retirement. And then some people have a retirement, um, I guess, expectation or vision or goal that they want to be traveling, right. And travel internationally and, you know, belong to uh, exclusive country clubs. I mean, again, nothing wrong with either picture, but they come with such different price tags. So starting to help people understand a little bit about what are some of their retirement goals um, and trying to help them understand what that may cost. What I find though, is that a lot of people haven't really clearly defined that. And um, so it's more so that I think majority of people are used to understand what their current 
um, expenses are, right? Mm -hmm. And understand what it is like to live off the amount of take-home income that they have currently. And they want to be able to sustain that through a long retirement and maybe have a little bit extra to maybe, you know, help their family or do some trips and stuff like that. So um, so when we can kind of hone in on, um, you know, what those the price tag of retirement looks like, then we can do a little bit more planning. Yeah. I would imagine that for someone who's not doing any kind of budgeting right now, it would be really hard for you to help them project what they might need in retirement. So do you sometimes focus on, let's, you know, take care of maybe what you could be doing right now to understand um, your expenses and your income and kind of where you are with cash flow so that we can make a projection? I mean, is that, Yeah. I would imagine that a lot of people aren't, you know, looking at their expenses and their income and their savings and their you know investments super closely so that would maybe also make it more challenging to predict what they might need in 25 30 yeah. years yep yeah you're correct uh, and again that's where it comes down to what well, people know what know what it means to live off of what they're using now right yeah. um, so we can project that moving forward but what a lot of people miss is um, they sometimes are overly optimistic about when they do start doing some projections. There's a lot of, of um, you know, online calculators out there and a lot that are tied to 401ks that do projections and stuff like that. You can kind of plug in, you know, what, what path you're on. Uh-huh. Um, but they use a lot of times an overly optimistic um, return number. If you're using a return number of 8 or 10, 8 or 9, 10, 12%, I mean, it's possible, but um, you're being overly optimistic. And that's the other thing that it doesn't factor in also. Rarely have I seen one factor in inflation. We know what, right. it, what it means to, we know how far $1,000 goes today, but $1,000 went yeah. twice as far 20 years ago thousand dollars is going to go half as far 20 years from now yeah. right so they're missing that and the other piece is taxes is again most calculators aren't plugging in taxes but taxes are real we pay those yeah you know? so, for sure and when you look at and it's kind of a punch in the gut sometimes when you think about it but if you look at your 401k and if you're on the the pre-tax uh, side of the world the traditional side of the world so to speak and you have say a hundred thousand dollars in there well if you're in a 20 percent tax bracket you know, uh, 80% of that's yours. The 20% of it is the government. So it's not all yours. So yeah. we have to be very uh, efficient about our taxes as well. So Yeah. So I was doing a little research before our recording today, and there was an article that cited the retirement readiness among older workers 2021. It was a report based on an online survey of 990 American respondents that were ages 40 to 73 years old, working part-time or full-time as of March, 2021. And some of the findings that I thought were interesting, nearly six in 10 workers save less than 10% of their income and a third set aside less than 5%. Is that reflective of what you're seeing with a lot of your clients or what people are coming to you with before you start working on goals with them? Yeah, um, it, it's interesting that, again, there's just a lot of uncertainty. Um, but yeah, there's lots of statistics out there that yeah, people aren't saving enough. And, um, and that's part of you know, doing some planning work is to gain clarity around what path you're currently on, right? Because if you understand what path you're currently on, then you have the opportunity to identify strategies and planning opportunities to improve the trajectory uh, uh, for your future uh, as well. But yeah, we see a fair amount of people, uh, again, that, that, that come to us and um, don't have enough saved yet. And, um, you know, they've, 
they really need to keep keep after it, right, and keep yeah. working it. Or there's a couple different ways to do it. You can save more now or spend less in retirement. I mean, that's an option yeah. too. Yeah. Is hey, this is what I have saved. And I need to retire now. And we see that sometimes we see people that you know are retired not because of their choice. They plan to work a lot longer, but their employer something changed with their employer and they weren't part of the change. And so now they're looking at uh, potentially early retirement and. You know, and, and for those folks, I think planning's maybe even that much more important because they can't afford to make any financial re- mistakes, right? So yeah. a lot of times we run some projections, and um, and that's what some of the things they look at too. There's a lot of statistics out there that say oh, you'll need seventy or eighty percent of your pre pre retirement income in retirement, right? Well, a lot of that depends on what your your uh, um, income situation was before retirement. If you didn't, if you were maybe on the lower end of the income scale, well, you're going to need closer to probably 90 or 100% of your pre-retirement income, especially if you're bringing debt into retirement. Yeah. If you're on the higher income side of the scale or mid to higher, and you have um, most of your lifestyle paid for and you don't have any debt, um, yeah, you can live on maybe 80% of what your pre-retirement income is. So it's really quite a bit different. And that's the thing too. There's a lot of studies and research and articles, but and there's a lot of generalities, but it really comes down to, I think, people getting specific individual uh, clarity around their specific uh, uh, situation and get their specific questions answered. Yeah. So I would imagine that it's ideal to not carry debt into retirement. Yes. To have uh, most of your debts paid off. Yeah, as a general rule of thumb, yes. And But debt also, especially now with mortgage rates so low, um, it's a mathematical equation, really. Um, but there's a couple of different thought processes on that, too. I mean, when you think about a mortgage rate of, say, 2.5% and an average um, investment return of north of 5% over a long period of time, an argument argument could be made to, hey, it's okay to have debt, you know, mm-hmm. because your investments are out earning what yeah. you're paying in debt. However, there's just a, um, um, some freedom that comes along with knowing that you just don't owe anybody anything, right? Right. And that when things change, um, when markets change and economies change, because they certainly do, um, there's just a lot less stress when you don't owe anybody anything. So part of it, it's just people choosing to have a debt-free lifestyle too. Yeah. Because in this world, we either pay interest or receive it, right? Yeah, that's true. I'm thinking about the amount of debt that, you know, recent college graduates are leaving school with, and it's just... It's skyrocketing. And I'm just thinking, I was fortunate enough to have, I worked in high school, so I earned quite a bit of money to, you know, pay for part of my college. I had a little bit of help from my mom and dad, and then I had an aunt who was generous. Um, Her family was very financially secure, and she contributed to part of my college education. And so I was able to pay off my student loans in 10 years and I was paying like $100 a month. I mean, it was, you know, it was not causing or creating any kind of a hardship for me, but that is not the case for a lot of people. And I'm just thinking about someone who's got tens of thousands or 100,000 plus in, you know, debt from college tuition and thinking, you know, how close are they to retirement by the time they pay that off, Mm -hmm. you know? And hopefully you would not be entering retirement with any student loan debt, but... Right. You know, that also gets in the way of paying off other debts. That's right. And so I think, you know, debt is 
something that a lot of people have and and need to consider as as they approach retirement. Yeah. And when and I guess you know coming back to that sandwich generation like you talked about too. I mean, that's one of the most stressed groups there is too. Um, the uh, generation of adults that are trying to care for their uh, adult kids as well as their aging parents, right? And so some parents have student loan debt, right, that mm-hmm. they're caring for their kids uh-huh. in addition to their kids' debt. Yeah. You know, and then so they're trying to balance um, helping getting their kids launched. They're trying to balance, you know, um, living today, paying for their debt, and also saving for tomorrow. But then at the same time, trying to help their parents um, in, in some cases, you know, their parents maybe haven't planned either and they are maybe uh, need to, you know, kick in some of the expenses to, you know, cover some of their parents' expenses too. So that sandwich generation is really, really stressed. And again, debt plays a, a part into that as well. So, and that's again, part of, uh, and that's one of the reasons I think a lot of people, and I see it too with people all the time that are sh- that are stressed around money is because they just don't know the 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 recipe or the solution, right? And and again, math, it's you know financial planning. It's it's a complex story problem in a way. And mm-hmm. oh, not those everybody, were yeah, those were my least favorite right. types of yeah. mathematical problems, right. story yeah. problems. And, and, and honestly, you know when and I like math and I'm you know wired for that. And in and in school, I didn't love those either. However, I love those today because there's real there's real people involved in these story problems, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, but again, it, it's trying to just help people, uh, again, solve a problem, solve a solution. And it's a, it can be a mathematical equation. However, money is emotional though, right? It's just sure. not as simple as a mathematical equation, but that's part of what planning does is help to clarify, yeah, how do we pay for, you know, uh, student loan debt and at the same time, try to get a mortgage and at the same time, you know, try to enjoy living today and save for tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but when we have a long time frame, all of that absolutely can happen, yeah. you know, but we also have to balance and people need to understand a little bit more about the way their current spending is impacting their future yeah. as well. So, I mean, money can only go so far. And so, you know, having a little bit, I guess, better focus on, you know, what's important in life, um, you know, I think uh, people eventually realize that, you know, buying things don't necessarily make, they make, make you happy for a short period of time, right. but it doesn't last, right? Right, And for it's sure. more around people and experiences, so. For sure. And then I was also thinking as you were speaking of just the multiple facets of, you know, thinking about your personal finances. And then when, when people are in relationships and you've got two people trying to come together to find a common ground for saving or spending and, you know, I would imagine in some relationship dynamics, you know, there was a much higher earner. And now, you know, you might be relying more heavily on that person's retirement. And then what happens when relationships dissolve and someone finds themselves, you know, nearing their own retirement, but they no longer have, maybe it's through death or divorce, they no longer have their partner's income or, you know, that contribution. So, yeah, I mean, this this story problem right. could go in so many different directions. Yeah. And that's one of those life events that, and that's the thing, you know, financial planning is something that not everybody is proactive with. Um, and honestly, most people take a reactive approach to a lot of things. And, you know, being proactive in planning, you can do, you can, you can go so far with that, but then life happens too, right? I mean, you may plan and I, and I have 
you know, clients I'm working with right now that they had, we did a plan when I first met them uh, five years ago, the plan was them together. Now yeah. the plan is them separating. And so yeah. it changes. And so the plan we initially had is needs to change and now we need to do plans to go down two separate paths and what does that look like from you know an investment standpoint um you know uh, you know a current income standpoint um, maybe working a little longer than they had planned also from a social security standpoint how does that work so yeah there's a lot of uh, um, again a lot of different variables that go into you know uh, somebody's plan and it changes with life events because life happens right? yeah so explain a little bit about the social security benefits and how, like, let's say someone wants to, you know, continue working past 65. Is it 62 or 65 for social security? Well, you can claim social security as early, currently, as early as 62. Okay. Yep. So someone want they choose to work past 62 or, you know, they need to work past 62. How does that work with social security benefits? Yeah. Right. And again, that's a story problem um, and a planning opportunity to look at because everybody's situation is different on claiming those benefits. Um, you can claim it as early as 62 and people have what's called a full retirement age right now. For most people, it's around 67. Um, and then you can claim Social Security as late as 70, okay? And every year you wait, the benefit increases about 8%, okay? So there's a planning opportunity there to, you know, if we can work a little bit longer, that Social Security benefit can be a little bit higher, okay? Mm -hmm. The other part of it is sometimes people choose to retire from their full-time job, but, you know, want to do some part-time work or maybe do some consulting as well. Yeah. And so then there's an income level if you're pre uh, full retirement age, say somebody retires at 63, but their full retirement age is 67. Well, they have four years there where if they make more than approximately $18,000, their social security benefit is taxed uh, substantially more. So there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. It's not as black and white. And so again, that's one of those things. There's a lot of generalities that say, uh, and then the other thing too is, you know, social security, um, it's, it, if we know when we're going to die, we can we can calculate a lot more uh, to the exact point of when you should claim it. But we don't right, know right. that. So there's a lot of unknowns. And what we find, too, is that people, their experience comes in their decision making, too. A lot of times we have clients that, you know, their parents or their friends that, you know, had claimed Social Security or waited to claim Social Security. And then they had um, uh, unexpected illness and a premature death and they didn't get much of their benefits. Mm -hmm. So some of those folks are like, oh, I need to claim it early. Right. Mm -hmm. And we have other folks that from a planning perspective, it makes sense to claim it later throw into the mix of having a spouse, maybe one's a higher income earner than the other, there's some uh, different claiming strategies there that make a lot of sense too. So yeah, it's not as black and white, but yeah. there's a lot that goes into, into again, solving that equation for what's right for that individual and, and what somebody's assets, uh, retirement assets, and also lifestyle expectations uh -huh. plays a big part in that as well. Do you encounter a lot of people that have concerns about whether or not Social Security will be something that they will have access to, sure. yeah. you know, in 30 years, 40 yeah. years. And that's something that, I mean, as far back as, um, you know, taking a math of finance class in college, I remember them talking about Social Security, just don't plan on it, right? Just plan yeah. on it and not being there. Well, you know, and honestly, if you do, then that helps you understand that, you know, you need to be saving a little bit more aggressively for retirement. But no, Social Security, it is a benefit that there definitely needs to be some changes every year. There's you know, projections that come out that say when it's going to be, um, um, you know, when it's going to be bankrupt or whatever, right? But that's 
that's based on no changes being made. There's lots of little changes that can be made so, to Social Security that will absolutely uh, ensure that it's got longevity. So yeah, there's without going into lots of detail with that, yeah, it, it's a benefit people, I think, are prudent in planning, mm-hmm. uh, including a part of their plan. However, again, when planning, let's not be overly optimistic with our Social Security benefits. Right. Let's be a little more pessimistic. Right. You know, the Social Security says that it should go up with um, cost of living uh, inflation every year. And this year, I think it's projected, I've seen some things uh, out there that say it's going to go up 5 and 6% because it should go up kind of with inflation. Um, however, statistically and historically, it hasn't, you know, uh, um, it's been more around that, you know, r- less than 1%. So it's something we want to be pessimistic about, but uh-huh. it's definitely something we can plan into the yeah. equation. Yeah. So I, I do know someone who's done this, and I know that it's not advised, but I want you to kind of share what happens when someone withdraws from a retirement investment uh, to help in, say, an emergency situation where they need cash. Yeah. What kind of penalties are they going to see and, how, you know, kind of put it in perspective, like sure. how much is going to be lost? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that, that's one of those things, emergencies, and emergencies are different for everybody. Um, and, um, you know, it's a stressful situation when, you know, financial emergencies pop up and there's a lot of myths, right, or misconceptions there, again, around some people um, the false narrative is, oh, well, I'm just taking a loan from my 401k. I'm loaning the money from myself to myself. So that's mm-hmm. not all that bad. Um, and But in reality is a lot of times when we're taking a loan out is because we're experiencing some, some type of financial hardship. A lot of times it's um, the economy is exper- experiencing hardship as well. Well, just like we, you know, eighteen the last twelve to eighteen months, right? I see. I think there's been a fair amount of people that you know felt that they needed to take a loan or take money out of their four hundred one k. But also at the same point, the market is down, so they're taking money out when the market's low, right? Which is, you know, the basics of investing, right? The fundamental is to buy low and sell high. They are selling low, right? right? And they bought high, so that that in and of itself is is a challenge. But then also the financial part of it too is that you know uh, any distribution from a, a pre-tax or traditional side of the 401k type of program is taxable as income, okay? Um, if we take it out as a distribution or if we feel like we're taking a loan and feel like we're gonna pay that back, well, that's fine uh, when it gets paid back, but if something changes in your job and, and you're no longer there, now you have 60 days to pay that back. If you don't pay it back, in your pre 59 and a half, it's not only taxable as income on top of your current income, it's also a 10% penalty for early withdrawal. But then also, even if we are paying that loan back, if you think about it, now we're paying taxes on that money twice, okay? Because we have to pay back the loan with after tax money, okay? But then also someday in retirement when we take it out, it's gonna be tax to distribution. So we're t- paying tax on it twice. So it's, it's really a pretty, um, it's not a great option. Uh, so looking for other options would be obviously more ideal. There's a couple that I'll, that I'll throw out there as far as some options that people may consider or think about. You know, one may be if they have equity in their home, 
that could be an option, okay. okay? Because with interest rates as low as they are right now, too, that could be an option for somebody that may have less of an impact. Also, that 401k then, too, it loses all that earning power and the compounding. So that may be an option to look at. Some people may have equity in an automobile, possibly to consider that. Um, another one could be, it's a slippery slope, um, and it's also, you got to swallow a little pride, but maybe borrowing from parents because Right now, people, maybe their parents have money in a CD or savings account and, well, at a bank, and that earns point zero zero hardly anything, yeah. right? <laughs> and so if you can come a, 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 to a mutually uh, a agreeable terms, um, you know, that, that has a, a fair interest rate, that could be a win for both parties. But again, slippery slope, borrowing uh, from family uh, can be very challenging. And again, uh, caution there. Um, Another one would be to consider if we understand our, if we have Roth dollars in our 401k or Roth in an IRA, understanding that your Roth contributions, you can take contributions out of your Roth and that's not a taxable event. Any gains would be taxable right. and have a penalty. So that's something that a lot of people don't understand that, hey, I've been contributing this Roth, that kind of could be thought about in one way as a second tier emergency fund because you technically can get at your contributions again we're taking out though money that is going to lose compounding so it's it, but that's an option right yeah. that'd be better than taking out the pre-tax side and getting hammered on taxes the other side is <clears throat> if somebody has a, a health savings account or hsa account that um that they have built up some assets in or built up a buffer and you know uh, some dollars in there but they hadn't um, submitted any qualified medical claims to that. Maybe they have old claims since they started their HSA program that they could now, um, you know, put money and and take that claim and take that money out and again tax free. So yeah. those are some options. But again, planning it'd be great to. And I think a lot of people this past 12 to 18 months they've seen some shift and a lot of um, studies have showing that people have are saving a little bit more now, um, and that's a good shift. However, let's be intentional about where we should be saving. Also, definitely prioritizing a 401k, getting that company match. That should be the first thing to do. Mm -hmm. But after you get that company match, now let's start a Roth account and also try to fund our, our health savings account as well. Once we get those in place, then it's okay now to go back to the 401k and start topping off that. So again, looking at always encourage people to save more, but also let's plan a little bit so we have some options and flexibility for the next pandemic or emergency that may come down the pipe because as we all know life's messy and, and sure. it things can happen right for so sure. yeah doing a little pre-planning is well, definitely that those are those are great ideas and when we spoke back in february uh, for the it was called fall in love with financial freedom that mm -hmm. was the name of the podcast so if you're listening and have not listened to that one yet go back it's called fall in love with financial freedom it was the february 2021 episode you did make some suggestions that I adopted, and one was related to increasing my Roth contributions, and then the other was, you know, just being a little smarter with my HSA dollars. So, uh, and those have helped me a lot in just a short amount of time. So, I think there's always an opportunity, whether it's small or big, to make a difference. You know, and I understand that people have very different financial situations. Some people are living paycheck to paycheck, and so for them gosh, retirement, like I'm just trying to feed my family, you know, and other people are, are quite comfortable. Uh, but hopefully wherever you are on that spectrum, there are little things you can do that will make a difference uh, immediately and down the road. 
So just to kind of wrap our conversation up, um, I want to just give you an opportunity to um, share what you would say to to three different people at three different stages. So my nephew just graduated from college. He has a job with Amazon. He's 22, almost 23 years old. What would you say to someone in his position? New college grad, Mm -hmm. just got their first full-time job, shocked by how much taxes are taken out of their paycheck. What would you say to someone in that age group as it relates to planning for retirement when you just entered the workforce? Right, yeah. Retirement seems like such a long ways away uh, at that stage. But again, it's one of those things that... um, you know, the future is going to happen whether we plan for it or not, right? Right. So let's plan for it. And, you know, again, pretty much everybody, you know, if you could, if your future self could, could uh, talk to your younger self that's just starting the first job, what would they say? They'd say, save more, right? You know, mm-hmm. have a little better balance. Um, and in, and I, what I can, you know, certainly attest to too, and again, those math story problems is even, it just seems like, you know, even if you just save a little, say absolutely save a percentage um, of every single pay raise that you'll get, because one percent more every single year will make an absolutely uh, huge impact in your freedom to have more financial independence. Because that's something that I think, as people start working, they can maybe relate to wanting to have some independence and have some freedom later on in life. Uh, that eventually becomes retirement. Yeah. All right. So someone closer to my age, you know, hitting kind of that, you know, early 40s, you're, you know, you've got a lot of years behind you, but you still have a lot of years ahead of you. What for someone in my situation? Mm Kind of like we talked about a little bit before, too, and even going back to, um, you know, somebody just starting off, you know, max out the 401k match, make sure we're getting the match first, and then go to the Roth side of the world, optimize our HSA or health savings account if we have one available. And if we don't have one available, ask our employer when they're going to get one uh, because they're a great tool. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, So again, looking at that, also looking at, you know, what our investments are doing because now we've been working for a handful of years. We probably have some investments that are saved up. And also, are they going in the right direction, right? I mean, do we have a couple 401ks that are from previous employers that are sitting out there? How are they being managed? Are they um, are, are they, you know, pointing in the same, same direction? They have the right, you know, goal in mind of growth still. Um, I just saw a study not, you know, just recently it said 50% of people don't know what to do with their old 401k and they don't know how to do it. And they, so they just don't do anything. And that's a, there's a lot of, I think a lot of lost opportunity because those assets may not be working the, as much as they should be for somebody. Yeah. So looking at getting financially organized is definitely something to be looking at uh, to make sure that we're capitalizing our, our growth opportunities. Um, and again, just trying to understand, you know, getting balance, right? A little bit better balance in our life. Because if money's got some stress, add some stress to your life, connecting with somebody and, and asking for help, just like a lot of things in life where if we have uncertainty and stress, you know, we can educate ourselves uh, to a certain point of what we're capable of, but then we need to ask for help. And it's okay to ask for yeah. help, right? And to ask for somebody to walk alongside you in your financial life and help um, you identify the strategies and the planning opportunities that are available. So those are some of the big things to look at. And also, too, if we haven't if we haven't realized it yet, um, is trying to find that contentment, again, in, 
in people and experiences and not material things. You know, I think at that stage, that should be something that's becoming real for a lot of folks. Right? Yeah, I, I think about that a lot with my daughter who's four and my nephews and my nieces who are, are older now. But, you know, I, I went through a period where I really focused on kind of the gift of experience with them versus, you know, just whatever the latest gadget was. Mm-hmm. Because those experiences, and now that my nephews, my older nephews especially, are young adults, it's so fun to hear them talk about the things that we did together or like a restaurant I took them to or the time I took them to Adventureland or whatever it might be. And so was I spending money? I was still spending money, but it was on an experience. And, you know, it's definitely um, a longer lasting yeah. memory. And that's and again, that's that that balance, too, because, um, you know, if we I mean, if we if we die tomorrow, well, gosh, we probably shouldn't save anything. Right. Right. You know, yeah. But likely, that's not the case. Likely, we're going to live a long time. So we need to save for the future. But there's really, I, I'm a true believer in balance there, too. I'm a saver by nature, and um, planning helps me understand and visualize that it's okay to spend some money now, uh-huh. too, right? Uh-huh. Um, and again, just finding that balance to, uh, again, be able to pay, knowing confidently that, uh, I'm not going in debt by by being able to pay for this experience because I have a, a big picture plan right. in place. I'm saving right. enough. I know the trajectory I'm on that I'm saving enough that I should be in just a I should be in a, a I should have options financially in the future. I should have financial uh, independence in the future. So that allows me to enjoy um, uh, spending money today as well. Yeah. So there's definitely a balance. And so then the last person in the scenario is someone. And I know a lot of people in this position, they're within five years of a retirement goal as, as far as a, an age to retire. What could, you know, what would, what would they be doing right now? Right. Yeah, I would definitely be, you know, kind of thinking about, um, again, what does retirement look like? Does, you know, trying to figure out something that you are passionate about retiring to. You're not just retiring away from something, but having something to retire to. And again, doing some, now at this stage, some pretty comprehensive planning to identify, again, what strategies do you still have uh, in place and opportunities you have in place to optimize that portfolio in the last couple of years. And also trying to clarify what the strategy should be for that individual for their Social Security uh, benefit claiming strategy. And also look at What's the best way to have uh, uh, to tax efficiently distribute assets? There's a lot of information that goes into accumulating assets, and arguably accumulating assets is easier. You just keep buying more, you know, stocks, mutual funds, just keep accumulating, right? Now we've got to uh, um, also look at distributing it tax efficiently because again, when we look at our portfolio and say, hey, you know. X percentage of this isn't mine, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to the government, uh, um, then how do we be efficient there? So really looking at some in-depth planning and that'll help. I mean, we can't really, and we talk to people all the time We in, in consulting with clients that we can't really tell them exactly when they, when they should retire. We can tell them from a financial standpoint, though, when they can retire from a financial numbers perspective. Uh-huh. And and that really, and that's one of the things I really truly enjoy too, is that, you know, when you have meeting with somebody that just, they're just unsure about, you know, I don't know, when can I retire or something's changing in my, in my career and I wasn't part of the change. And, you know, just seeing that stress just melt away from somebody when you can show them uh, and add more clarity and confidence to their financial future by, you know, what are some of the planning, you know, types of strategies that they need to be thinking about and implementing. So. Yeah. 
Well, this was great information. And if you're listening and you're feeling overwhelmed, I think that's normal. And that's why someone like Scott could be a really great person to connect with. Uh, I want to share a little information. It's very exciting that we at EFR have partnered with Legacy Financial Group to add on to one of our benefit packages. So we have a wellness benefit as part of our benefit offerings at EFR. So if you are working for an organization that has what we call our Core Plus benefit, you have access to retirement readiness consultation through Legacy Financial Group as part of your EFR benefit. And so, uh, you know, just this kind of consultation is going to help answer some of the questions that we brought up today. Uh, You know, I've saved for retirement, but how do I know it will be enough? Um, When should I consider taking my Social Security benefit? How much income withdrawn from my savings is recommended? So if you are wondering what is the answer to some of those commonly held questions, this could be a great benefit for you to use. It's a uh, consultation process where you would uh, have access to four consultations with a representative from Legacy Financial Group. And again, this is through your benefits with EFR. But Scott, for people who maybe don't have benefits with EFR uh, or don't have this level of benefit with EFR, how could they get a hold of Legacy Financial Group? Yeah, great. Um, So uh, LFG planners.com uh, so you can find us on the internet naturally there uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well uh, you can find me there um, and then our phone number 515-255-3306 or my email at nelson n-e-l-s-o-n at lfgplanners.com all right well. and I will include all of that information in the show notes so I'll include a link Perfect. to their website a link to Scott's LinkedIn profile his email and the phone number where you can get a hold of someone. But again, if you have benefits through EFR, which I know a lot of our listeners do, uh, it's possible that you have some of these benefits included with your EAP. So please uh, don't hesitate to reach out to EFR at 800-327-4692 to at least explore whether or not that is an option. Thank you so much for your time and expertise today, Scott. It's always great to have you on the show. And we'll see if this one can can take over the number one spot or at least number two. That'd be awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Emotion Well. Please subscribe to us and don't forget to rate us. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Emotion Well is hosted by Johanna Dunleavy and produced by Emily Wonkong.